0: welcome to this new episode of Gig It Up podcast. We are delighted to have you with us and in this episode we are covering a show by The Weeknd. I just wanted to flag up that in this episode there are a few sound issues. It's particularly evident at the beginning but it does get better so please do stick with us. We love making these shows for you and we're working to improve the sound quality to bring you the best experience that we can. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts please do subscribe and give it five stars and a little review because we'd love to know how you're enjoying the show. Also, if you have any ideas for artists, shows, gigs that you'd like us to cover in the future, please do let us know at our Facebook or Instagram, both of which are at Gig it Up Podcast. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello. Abend, dear. I'm good and you'd have thought after six months of living in Berlin I would know what that means but I don't
1: <laughs> it's nice to see you it's good
0: to see you too how are you um well I'll tell
1: you all about how I am uh, uh I'm fine okay I'm fine I'm British
0: I'm fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> I am completely fine oh okay well we'll go into that but shall we tell the people who we are
1: Yes. um, First of all, thank you so much for everyone who's been listening. Um, It's been really lovely to get all of your feedback and your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, so thanks so much. Yes. Um, And for anyone who who is new, I am Rebecca Biscuit, and this is Nick Field.
0: And Rebecca Biscuit, what do you do?
1: Um, I'm a performance artist, uh, slash writer, uh, slash dog owner, and current breakdown haver, Nick Field. (laughs)
0: For <laughs> you, I am also a performer, writer, musician, um, and we together we collaborate as Biscuit and Field. And we've had some exciting news. Should we go into that?
1: Yeah, we are, um, we've are. we just received some more Arts Council funding yes. from the Arts Council of England, thank you very, very thank much Thank you um, to make a digital version of our previous hit stage show which was called Paid Fantasist for anyone that listened to our first episode we couldn't remember the name of our own hit show <laughs> in our first
0: episode <laughs> But the good thing is, having spent several weeks poring over a hot Arts Council application form, we now do remember what it's called and we uh, are going to make it as a film and I, I'm so excited about that
1: yeah, so we're probably going to be making uh, make sort of an EP of the music that we wrote um, for the show as well, yes. so it'll be really exciting, um, and we'll let you know more about that um, as it as it happens, Yes, it's going to be happening over this summer, summer 2021,
0: oh God! <laughs> when we can maybe hopefully be in the same room.
1: Yes, uh, Nick's been vaccinated and hopefully I'm up next, um, if anyone's listening in the future. <laughs> we're in the middle of an apocalypse yes but we're getting over it
0: yeah can i reckon in about 10 years time people are going to i think that generally everyone will have kind of collectively forgotten what happens yes and will have just moved on and i think that anyone referencing anyone hearing it from the future or any even probably people who were there are going to just be like what what you couldn't go into the same room Or you couldn't leave the country, and I think people are going to start to disbelieve the situation as a way of coping. That's my feeling.
1: Do you remember the um, weapons of mass destruction? Because I don't think anyone under the age of, like, 25 cares about the weapons of mass destruction. So I don't think, and if there were podcasts back in the early 90s slash early 2000s, not early 90s, early 2000s, they would have all talked about the weapons of mass destruction
0: and now who yeah, even yeah. nowadays a WMD is that an energy drink? You know what I mean. So
1: <laughs> is, it a, is it a party drug? If it is, <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
1: that leads nicely on to our
0: our next <laughs>
1: our topic today. Our topic yes. today.
0: So um, we today are going uh, to look at the weekend and gig it up. Just to if you are new, just to let you know what we do. We watch uh, live concerts and we watch uh, professionally filmed versions of live concerts that are available on open source for example youtube largely um so that you can watch along um and we talk about them from a kind of cultural perspective from the perspective of people who are music makers and performers um and interested in pop culture and culture in general and um we often slide into tangents but we always bring it back and so look out for <laughs> that spirit. it's likely to happen um and um we saw sort of, we're really interested in the, the how they're constructed and and what they mean and the, the influences and all those kind of things so that's what we're going to be going into over the course of this episode uh, which is going to focus on the weekend and that
1: is the uh hip-hop artist the weekend not the band the weekend um so this is the, Weeknd the weekend without the the, the, the second E. Uh, both Canadians, uh, the band The Weekend and this particular weekend.
0: Yeah, um, and for copyright reasons is why they had to drop that that E.
1: Yeah. Because... Yes. Yeah. So we're talking about um Abel Tesfaye, who is uh the weekend, who is one person, the Canadian hip hop artist slash R&B slash one of the biggest selling artists of the current times. Yeah. Sold over 75 million records worldwide. I don't even know uh, people bought that many records anymore, apart from BTS. <laughs>
0: yeah, apparently they do. And linking back to our very first episode, Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour, he yeah. just sold his uh, Beverly Hills mansion to Madonna for 22 million. No. Yeah. So it all links up one way or another.
1: Madonna's given up on Portugal, has she? She's
0: finally left Portugal.
1: She's gone. Liz, Liz, bye-bye. You know what? That didn't work. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Liz, bye-bye. Liz, bon-bon. No.
1: Liz, bon-bon.
0: No. (laughs) It's fine. Let's just leave it alone. Uh, But anyway. (laughs) I've
1: never been good at (laughs) puns. i once competed in a pun competition live. It was very embarrassing. How
0: did it not work?
1: No, but I did get paid. So oh, well,
0: did you get paid in advance? That's the thing. Make sure you get paid in advance.
1: <laughs> if you're going to compete in a pun competition, yes. make sure you get paid in advance. I'm not
0: a. Fa- Are you a fan of puns?
1: I love puns. I appreciate puns. I respect puns, mm. but I'm just really very bad at them. So let's talk about the weekend. Let's let's do let's do let's do weekend background. Um, because I I don't know about you, Nick. I was unfamiliar um with Able Test slash the weekend. Um. Completely unfamiliar. I had no idea who he was or what what was going on.
0: Yeah, I also had absolutely no idea. And I was thinking, you know, as we are now making a podcast about popular culture music, perhaps uh, we should become more familiar <laughs> with it. <laughs> might, might be something we should do. But um, equally, it does give us the opportunity to discover things that other people discovered a, a long time ago afresh. Mm.
1: Yes, and the thing about The weekend is there is a lot of mistake around him and his identity and uh, his background. And so mm. perhaps um, us not knowing about him is exactly what he intended in the first place.
0: Yeah, potentially. And what a incredible um, impact on things like the charts. He's,
1: Where... So he came up um, through YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, through sort of anono- dropping some of his early stuff anonymously on YouTube, mm. which blew up, and he was supported by other can- Canadian artists. I don't know why it's so funny to be from Canada. Other Canadian artists like Drake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't realise he Hila- was Canadian.
1: Hilariously, he's from Canada. Oh. Um, uh, from Toronto. Um, uh-huh. from his parents both Ethiopian, but uh, he was born in Toronto and is Canadian uh, and was sort of... Uh, came up in the Toronto hip-hop scene. <laughs> Why is it mm. so funny to be from Canada?
0: <laughs> Plenty of people are from Canada. <laughs> and it's and some, many of them very serious people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's a very serious Canadian artist.
0: Alanis Morissette.
1: Celine Dion, who we've covered.
0: Who we've covered. Would you look into the face of Alanis Morissette and Chortle um, as <laughs> her back catalogue.
1: No, nor would I Avril Levine, nor Swing Oh, Dion. wait a
0: second. Can we just... You've just woken the Avril Levine beast because, you know, that's my favourite conspiracy theory, Avril Lavigne. Uh,
1: well, well that Avril Lavigne died in 1967 and was replaced.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. So basically, this is my absolute favourite. We'll just go quickly into this because I love it so much. So basically... um the The theory was that Avril Levine had a um a double called Melissa who what? used to who, <laughs> who used to do um publicity things for her when she couldn't be bothered because she looked a lot <laughs> like her but yeah. then the theory is that uh Avril Levine committed suicide following <gasps> the death of her grandfather and so rather than replace, rather than sort of wipe her out as a, as you know, basically end career because that's what people dying tends to do. Yeah. They decided to just bring in Melissa. And so Melissa then became Avril Lavigne. But, you know, it's that, there's lots of kind of like, well, Melissa's earlobes are slightly more pointed than Avril's were. Things like that, basically. That's this, the proof. It's
1: like early stages of the internet, MySpace conspiracy theory. Yes. Sort
0: of and... um and also because like, her voice changed, supposedly, and the, musical influ- the music changed and all this kind of stuff. And so basically, now, whenever, whenever Avril Levine posts anything, like a tweet or anything, people <laughs> always underneath write, write, nice, try Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love it. Oh, I also have something else to say. And it's a true confession. <laughs> Um, and, you know, just uh, we just need to take a moment for this, because this is a serious true confession moment, and this <laughs> might make this into a drama podcast, is that um, in our last episode, Coldplay's Co- Super Bowl, I yes. asserted that, uh, and indeed proclaimed, that Coldplay owned a bakery in North London. <gasps> yeah, I have since I have discovered... Been, I have
1: been tweeting about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have since discovered, to my regret and shame, that is not the case. Oh, my God! (laughs) (laughs) They, in fact, (laughs) own a recording studio slash rehearsal space in North London called The Bakery. It is not an actual bakery. (laughs) And therefore, they don't sell cinnamon buns or croissants. And (laughs) I regret... (laughs) um you know what?
1: <laughs> the fact that they made cinnamon buns were almost acted as a redemption for how bad that well game that was.
0: redemption is no more no, and no. um that is testament to actually reading more than the first couple of sentences of an article <laughs> that is what i'll do in the future so um i do ask for the uh, well i apologize to anyone who um may have been Inconvenienced by my errors,
1: or might have travelled to North London to, pur- <laughs> <Yes>. pur- <laughs> to When he went to get made by Chris Martin.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you went to get an eclair from Coldplay, I apologise. And um, you know, obviously, I ask for your thoughts and prayers at this difficult time.
1: Thoughts and prayers, Nick.
0: Thank you. <laughs> so, so yes, that's my true confession.
1: So let's get back to the weekend. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> so
1: we are watching we are watching uh, the weekend live in Berlin and this uh, full disclosure is a festival gig which we try not to do because the artists have less control uh, over it than like say a a weekend concert gig would be but it's the best quality one that everyone can watch along with on YouTube so this is uh, from 2018
0: 2018
1: 2018 a couple of years ago uh, the weekend live in Berlin, which is where you are now, Nick.
0: I am, and um, so it's the Lollapalooza tour. Which so there's also um, the same show in Brazil, and I think uh, somewhere else as well. Because I think it's, my understanding is Amsterdam that, uh, lo- as well. I think, yeah. Lollapalooza is essentially a travelling festival.
1: And here he is. Should we crack me- crack into it, or would you like to tell me? A little bit more about your uh, pre-thoughts about The weekend.
0: Yeah, so I'd, I really didn't... I went into this fresh and new, and um, the only thing that had happened to me was, incidentally, was that um, a duet between... or a collaboration between L'Anne Ray Rey and The Weeknd popped onto my um, Spotify shuffle... So I'd, I was aware that... There, and I was like, that's an interesting co- collaboration. I wasn't... But now I sort of get it a bit more. Um, he does a lot
1: of collaborations. He's worked with Ariana Grande and Kendrick Lamar and Daft Punk and Lana Del Rey, like you said. And Drake. Yes. His best <laughs> Canadian friend.
0: Yes. Um, and so that's basically all I know.
1: Yes. So we're getting into this blind. Yes. And here we go. He's dangerous. It's Some Haze. And he's out with his first track, which is called Pray For Me. Um, and I'm guessing it's one of his bigger tracks, because he's opening it at the festival gig. And it's... I don't know if you've... I'm sure you've played festivals before, Nick, like music festivals or whatever. Yes. But people are not there to see you. They're there for the festival. And I do not enjoy (laughs) festival gigs.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you what your experience of festival gigs was.
1: Let me tell you a story. Mm -hmm. One time, uh, me and Shit Theatre, who is... Um, the duo, I'm one half of them, I do most of my performance with. Um, we've played Latitude Festival, which is in Suffolk in England, uh, quite a few times. And a few years ago, we were doing our show called uh, Woman's Hour, and we were told that. <laughs> this is going to sound so bad. We were told that. Uh, <laughs> Um there were, a lot of people came to it because I think they got they thought it might have been the BBC recording of Radio 4's women's hour. <laughs> so there was a long, long queue at eleven in the morning. Which wow. was our, <laughs> headline slot.
0: Oh, you know, I think I was there.
1: Oh my god. Well you would remember this then, which is that um when you uh, like if a deaf person is uh, a festival, they can request that a BSL interpreter or like sign language interpreter will be there and live interpret the gig. And uh, we were—we had a deaf person in the audience, and they requested an interpreter, and she arrived. And um, an important part of the story is that you have to know that Louise and I wear white face paint as shit theatre, sort of like clown-esque makeup. Um, but we were not in makeup yet, and we said to the interpreter, "Would you like to be in white face?" And the important thing to know here is that the interpreter was black, and she looked at us. <laughs> in horror, and said, no, thank you. And then we went away, not thinking about it, 10 minutes later, had put a white face on, came back in, and she went, oh, okay, now I see what you mean now. No, I would like to be in white face. And then she painted herself white. And then live interpreted the gig in front of way too many people who were all there to see what they thought was BBC Radio 4's Women's Hour.
0: Oh my God, (laughs) that sounds really awkward.
1: And then, last year, uh, we played a number of... For some reason, we've been invited back, Latitude (laughs) after that. Last year, we played um, Latitude... It was sort of the biggest festival gig we played. It was in the theatre tent. It's like a 500 seater, and we were on after the National Theatre doing War Horse. <laughs> um, and they unplugged all of our technology so that when, when we went to go on, um, none of our projection or sound or lighting worked. And we ended up going on about an hour and a half late. And Jen, our technician, had to tech the show from hiding behind the projection screen where Jen couldn't see oh really or hear no. things going on. And I drank like a bottle of white wine as I was waiting for <laughs> everything to get fixed. And then once we played a Christian rock festival. Maybe that's for another time.
0: Oh, yes. Put a pin in that. I want to hear about that. Yeah.
1: Tell me about your festival gigs, Nick. <laughs> um, well, I've got the,
0: the one that comes to mind is um, definitely Latitude as well where, so I did a show called Adventure, Misadventure, which was a show about sort of travel and I played the harp in it and it was cute. Yeah, I think you came to see it, didn't you, at one point?
1: I did. I loved it.
0: Thank you so much. And at the beginning of the show, I'm roller skating when people come in. And someone from Latitude had come to see the show, which is why they'd booked it. But they basically, when I got to the venue it was the stage A was raised, which is not great to roller skate on. B was carpeted. So I also, the band that were on before basically played, played really late. So I had like a five minute get in if that. Um, And also they refused to take their stuff off the stage because they were playing again after after me. So so basically it was a hideous nightmare. (laughs) um and that was the yeah so
1: <laughs> oh my god every time i play at the festival okay oh okay i've got two more latitude stories
0: okay should um, we break should we go into it and then come and then come like into
1: it and we'll come back and then come yeah.
0: back to festival stories because otherwise i mean basically we can talk about festival war wounds forever however yeah. i feel that the weekend um has quite a lot of tech support
1: He's got, a lot, he's got more tech support than I've experienced at Festival. Me too. He's got too. a large a number of fans. Because a... Everyone in the crowd is very excited to see him, and a lot of them know the words, despite them being, I presume, in their second language, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of people there watching, so it's obviously massive. Um, there's also... The staging um, is kind of interesting because there's a bank of lights behind him, so there's a kind of um, raked bank of lights uh, that... Uh, I guess, travels perhaps as one unit. So maybe it's kind of easy to get that in and out. But um, it's fairly impressive.
1: Yeah, it's fairly impressive. It's like he's he said before that he is a huge influence of his, is Daft Punk. He collaborated with them on mm. their last ever single before they broke up recently. Mm. And it, does, it has got a sort of Daft Punk... Or like live electronica sort of vibe going on with the light uh, yes. display that he's got.
0: Yes, um, definitely. Robin
1: uh, once at festivals, she did something similar.
0: Okay, yeah, it's yeah. definitely got that that sort of electro electro pop vibe, I think. Yeah, and because I'm always interested in how people uh, the sort of how people enter the space and how people come in, and yeah. he it's not a big entrance, as it were. Yeah. But, Especially
1: coming in after having watched three Super Bowls back to back.
0: Yeah, yeah, where there's where people come in like, Mwah. but, you know, it's, um, it, so in in a way, it's like the music is doing a lot of the work. There's there's a bit of it, it's like a semi-hype opener. Um, yeah, with, it's
1: all live, the band are live, and the band are
0: incredible. The band are incredible, but I don't think it's all live, but we'll go into that. No, yes. not back
1: to this again. Yes, yes. it's live. I don't yes. think yes. it
0: is. <laughs> I okay I think the vocals are all live but I don't think yeah. that the music is all live.
1: Interesting.
0: Um and um Yeah, so so there's a there's a hype, hype opener and then he sort of wanders in. Yeah. Quite cash, but the audience do go insane.
1: He's super cash. he's in a denim jacket. The denim jacket says rude amongst other things <laughs> on it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And he's very like, jump, 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 balloon where it's at, you know, that sort of thing. The sort of classic, really classic, let's get the crowd hyped it up. It's
0: very, chat. it's very classic. Because you're right. He is straight in there with all the people on the left, all the people on the right, all that business. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, for me. It's absolutely a classic in some ways. It's a cliche, but it is absolutely setting the contract in a way between the audience and the performer. It's like, this is the, what this relationship is going to be right from the beginning. So I think it's quite clever for a festival gig, especially, to be just be like, right, we're just going in on this. Yeah, We're not messing do around. Do you fancy him? Do, no, do you? Oh,
1: I think he's cute. Okay. Yeah. He's had a lot of high prof girlfriends. Bella Hadid, uh-huh. Gomez. Oh, really? a lot of these tracks are about his high prof. That's his... a, a little shortening I'm going for there. High Just prof? Get on board, it? I like it. some high prof, some high prof GFs. <laughs> and he's really cute. I think he's really cute. I think he's,
0: I think he's a very attractive human being, but I don't I didn't I don't feel drawn to him in that way. But okay. you know. <laughs> I'm willing to be talked round with 22 million. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we open with Pray For Me and yeah. then we go into Starboy, which is next. Everybody knows all the words. Uh, and it's making me it quite emotional by this point because the crowd, seeing people screaming and crying and shouting together. People cry. So relaxed on stage. Yes. Was quite emotional, especially in, you know, in particularly this times. in the, of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah
0: well, because we haven't seen anything like that for a long time, obviously.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um yeah. Yeah, people cried when he walked on stage. People were sobbing. They picked, you know, yeah,
1: forty thousand people weeping. Yeah,
0: the crowd. The uh, camera sort of picks out people in the crowd, and yet people were 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 sobbing. And uh, so that obviously is a testament to how strong the relationship is with the audience.
1: Yeah, and how strong uh, the relationship is, particularly between him and his fans, who are they've got their own sort of secret language. His. uh, like record label and his sort of symbol is XO uh-huh. uh, which he's had from the beginning and I, it's apparently a drug reference potentially um, and they sign off a lot of their messages to each other, his fans on YouTube with XO and talk to each other like fellow XOs and stuff like that so there's like a real cult um, sort of in it together vibe about the people that yeah. love him.
0: Which is very smart um, because that is very good yeah. marketing um, mm-hmm. but also you know It's it's a good thing to do with your with your punters and your fans.
1: (laughs) Yep, with your punters. (laughs) Um,
0: um, So the voice, I think, you know, you can absolutely tell he's singing live because there's a few wobbles when he comes on, which is completely understandable. But um, I mean, the voice is, I think, sounds pretty great, right?
1: He's got great voice. He's been compared a lot to Michael Jackson because he's got a falsetto. uh, There is a falsetto.
0: I had to, I've he's got, using it. He's he, you, so well. That's the thing that I think about this voice is that it's very—it's interesting because it's very accessible. He—it's quite emotive. It's—it's—it's it's, mm-hmm. it's malleable. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it's also there's—it's not a complicated voice. No. It's got a sort of delicacy to it, All which that... is a nice contrast to the some of the music and the lyrics.
1: Although he has this sort of because of his like. Uh, background and the sort of, he was taken to like Ethiopian Orthodox churches as he was growing up and he speaks Aramaic uh, which he learned from his, like, he was brought up by his mum and his grandmother mm-hmm. that taught him Aramaic and it's quite uh, specific especially when we get onto Party Monster which is the next track, sort of Arabic influence to the way he sings and mm-hmm. that's uh, falsetto um, I'm not really sure the way you call the sort of, um, the vibrato
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in that range but you can sort of hear that influence coming in and like quite um, I quite enjoyed that. Comment. I really
0: like his voice a lot. I think it's, I, I think it's really, but it, it doesn't, over the course of an hour and a half or however long this gig is, I, I think that you start to see the kind of limitations of it because it doesn't really ever do anything different.
1: Right.
0: But equally, I think it is very recognisable and really, you know, he sounds great. I mean, it's he, I mean, he's a brilliant front man but I, when
1: you say that he doesn't really do anything different but he also doesn't really do anything different lyrically or staging wise no. or like movement wise during this hour and a half gig
0: no well that's why um, that's that's why when we got into uh starboy which it was the second track you know a we've got this incredibly tight band this yeah. very tight unit band but in a way They didn't really need to be there because (laughs) because there's because it's very the focus is very much him and I was and I was thinking, wow, this is a lot for one person to hold this space in this way because the band really are there. There's four of them. They're they're not doing they they play they're playing in the background. They're never really highlighted particularly. The focus is always on on him and I, I was sort of like. Is this going to go anywhere? You know, from the from this place, and the answer is kind of no.
1: I uh, we spoke about this before the gig, and I was messaging you uh, while I was watching it, and something happened to me mm. about an hour in, mm. possibly because I'm having a bit of a breakdown yeah. in the last couple of weeks, but no. I realised that I I was like, oh, he gets me. I get it. Uh-huh. He's speaking to me, uh, and suddenly something cracked through. But that was also. Um, because a particular change in uh, sort of his back catalogue that he's getting into so maybe we'll talk about that when we get to it yes
0: and i think i probably know where you are going to we're going to talk about that because i think i probably know Mm -hmm. where that is but um because also the other thing for me is is i was watching this and i've watched i've been to loads of festivals i've been to lots of festival gigs where there's just a dj or there's just you know like there's just, um, you know, for Orbital, for example, who are one of my highlights, festival highlights forever, uh, they just, they are at their keyboards or they're at their um, computers and nothing else is really happening. But, and I've, it's fantastic, you know. Um, But for me, I was was sort of feeling like, is there a way into this for me at this point? Because the other thing about it is that it's all very strange.
1: It's, Oh, I was just about to talk about that. It's incredibly straight, and uh, the topics are bitches, bitches. and drugs. And <laughs> he does use the word bitch, uh, and it just—it's never. I mean, I, I've been trying to do some research about like the sort of because I don't know hip hop that well. Mm. I don't know rap. It's like—is there like a, a cultural thing about using the when a straight man uses the word bitch? Right Is there something different going on here that I am not understanding? And I found a Janelle Monet quote um, from Twitter yeah. talk, and she says, "I really only want to ever hear women rapping. The amount of misogyny from most of men in rap music is infuriating. We need to abolish that shit. You can't wait to call every woman bitch." Ho discuss violent acts against women, etc. For clout in rap, rock, throughout our music history, misogyny has never been okay. Yet yeah, it's become normalized. Women didn't create misogyny; you all did. So you do the work to abolish it. Uh, and that's Janelle Monae, who is sort of from that world more. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, his uh, like, I mean, yeah, like you say, it's very straight. And as a woman, being like, okay, he just like the word bitch is interchangeable with the word. A uh, woman, yes, or like whatever in this show. This, yes, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It
0: doesn't feel good, and there's definitely, you know, I felt particularly towards the end. I was like, oh, we seem to be a misogyny half hour here, <laughs> and I just, I just don't understand quite what the agreement is between everyone, including the audience. Who,
1: who seems to be mostly who, a lot women. of women
0: who are who are, who are, who women. are visibly moved and often singing the lyrics i don't quite understand where that agreement has been made that it is okay to use that language but yeah um but that is very much part of it The other thing is that you know we when we have talked about particularly women's concerts concerts by women female artists um costume and it's very much part of it, you know, so costume has been used. The, the exception being perhaps David Bowie, who um, obviously used costume and makeup and, and all those things a lot. So, yeah. so I was a bit like, okay, you put on a denim jacket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's very... Uh, did, did you see Kanye when he played Glastonbury? I mean, I wasn't there, I watched it on TV. Mm. And he was very much, uh, here I am at a black box, this is what you're getting. Right. I am... I am enough. My ego is enough, and people really respected that. Uh, and you're right; it's quite similar to uh, the male ego on show here, which is I'm wearing a denim jacket that says
0: road, yes, and you
1: shall be entertained. And you shall be entertained, <laughs> and, my, and the weight of my charisma.
0: Yeah, and the and the, the sort of assumption that the visual of that is, is enough, whereas you know, part of the joy I think of watching. Um, a lot of female performers is that they do play with with costume and persona and and all of these things and and it's it's interesting for me about the the sort of the both the the dilemma of the straight male artist, straight male pop artist, and the kind of get out clause of the straight male <laughs> straight 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 artist because they don't really have to make an effort and they are kind of applauded for making an effort. For not making but an effort. To be
1: honest, we are we are watching again his festival gig. We're not watching what he might do yeah. in like a weekend well, concert. Well, just just to,
0: just to let you know else. that I watched I watched an unprofessional version of it, or some of an unprofessional version is the same.
1: Or oh, like an unprofessionally filmed yeah, version, yeah. you mean? So, right. so
0: there are full there are full weekend concerts available on YouTube that have been sort of bootlegged filmed. So I watched a bit of one of those just for comparison, same deal. Just slightly more um, extreme huh. lighting. And in his last tour, he had a very long kind of um, stage extension and he was mostly on that. So just right. walking up, up and down. But that was the only difference.
1: Okay, so we're back into uh, the sort of set list now. Uh, and he goes from Paranoid, he's doing a song called Fire, there are some gunshots, during a song called Reminder. Like he, and... We're in a sort of like a drug, yes. Uh, sort of reference.
0: Well, yeah, because we went in Party Monster. Um, there mm. were some fog blasts at the crescendo, and I was I was here mm. for that. I also noticed that there was this um, in that song. There was a um, there was just a repeat of the phrase "woke up by a girl." Don't I don't even know her name, and it was just like said over yeah. and over and over. And I just don't know what that was.
1: No judgment. Weekends never happened to me. Normally, normally know the name, but no judge, no judge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, exactly. But it's like why repeat? I I wasn't sure what the repeated that was over and over again. Whether it was like sadness or whether it was bragging, it was just kind of a weird <laughs> thing. I don't know what that was. The other thing about that track was that was the point where I was like, okay, there is either a click track here or there is a there is basically a recorded vocal underneath this. Huh. because I did not because that. there were points when he stopped singing the the main the main melody and um the it was and it continued underneath so
1: I was Mostly distracted by his references to Selena. i trying to guess if he was talking about Selena Gomez. Okay.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> seems fairly evident, that yes.
1: <laughs>
0: high probe. High probe
1: GF. <laughs> high, high probe GF Selena yeah. Gomez. So
0: I think what's going on, particularly during this first half, I don't think it's the case because there is a shift about halfway through, but I think the the all of the songs blend into one. They're all mixed together. Throughout the first yeah. half of this show. And I think that what's happening is there is a, there is they're playing along to a recorded track. So they are, they're, they're, the, the vocals are live, the instruments are live, but there's a supporting um, track underneath which also mixes the tracks together. And I think that there is also um, recorded support for his voice as well.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised about
0: that. Yeah. I might do it. Oh, yeah, it. <laughs>
1: Well, I'd do it. Yeah. I spent today uh, working on uh, sort of learning some like use of Ableton and MIDI keyboards and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But doing some more music, music making. And my brain is fried. And fair enough. Pre record. Pre record that. Pre record it. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, pre record the good version. Yes.
0: Fair enough. Absolutely. You know
1: what? It's the weekend. You pre record
0: it. So when we get to six feet under, basically what I've worked mm. out is that. The lights are going to be a different color for each song.
1: Yes, he's uh, ladies. You still with me? Mm-hmm. And he's on the color palette of blue. Yes. Some lyrics here. She know her pussy got it bad. She make him want to leave her family. She want to pull up in a Bentley. And this is clearly about a woman who loves money.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is a really great frontman, but by this point, we're some sort of yeah. 20 minutes or so in, and I have to say, it's wearing a little thin.
1: I just, there's there so much uh, mystique and hype around him being this dark, mysterious artist, mm-hmm. that I was disappointed um, at the, like, okay, this song's about some rich bitch, next <laughs> song's about me taking shrooms. I mean, look. <laughs> I love drugs. Who doesn't love drugs and bitches? But I was I just was expecting my expectations were higher as to the like content or form at which this was gonna be yeah. delivered. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, agreed.
1: Because it's well, he's also apparently inspired by like Ripley Scott and some of this stuff was supposed to be alien
0: mm-hmm.
1: inspired, which you sort of see sometimes in the lighting, but um You know, like I said, I was sort of of wearing
0: thin. It's wearing a bit thin. When he
1: started to bounce, bounce, bounce again.
0: Yeah, but, however, if you're there and you are a fan, then you're probably going to love that moment. You know what I mean? Like, you are going to bounce, and and it's going to be great. And if you're there and you've had a few drinks and you're not necessarily a fan, you probably still are going to have a bounce, you know?
1: The YouTube comments underneath uh, this gig attest to the fact that it was incredible live. And They are again his fans, but it, I can the atmosphere. It looks great. It looks like everyone is fucking loving. I it. would love to, you know, it's
0: a kind of experience where I sort of think, oh yeah, I'd be absolutely happy there. But I do also think that my attention will start waning, and I also don't still don't feel like there's a way in for me into this. Like it still feels so straight and so, um, and and so I'm just to be like, eh. I also think at this point I started thinking, does his voice sound a bit Craig David? <laughs> Listen did Craig he take a, ha-
1: Craig is on his Did he take her for a drink Craig on Monday? On his, like, third comeback by now.
0: <laughs> did he take her for a drink on Monday?
1: What did he do on Tuesday? I think he also
0: took her for a drink on Tuesday. No, it was he took Craig her for a drink been? on Tuesday. No, he took her for a drink on Monday. He took her for a drink on Tuesday, but they He were, met for,
1: No, he met her on Monday. He took her for a drink Tuesday.
0: on Tuesday. They were making love by Wednesday, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they chilled on Sunday. So that's.
1: Do you think they got the times delivered or what when they chilled? On the
0: Sunday, they probably yeah, they got the times sent in. They probably also like watched a bit of Netflix. And What did
1: you do for a chill? Like a rope swing <coughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they were on a rope swing. Yeah,
1: okay. But he it's is South- from Yeah, it is. <laughs> he
0: is from Southampton and, you know, Southampton's finest.
1: You're from Southampton as well. Well, right? Southampton, Southampton, Southampton adjacent. Okay, <laughs> you do not accept Craig David as one of your own.
0: No, I absolutely fully well fully do. He lives in um, he lives in uh, Malibu now or something. Super rich.
1: He's doing he's fine. doing absolutely fine. Um, none of these people need none us. of
0: these yeah, yeah. people need us. They do not care what we have to say. But I hopefully the people listening do. That's what I'm hoping. Um, thanks for sticking with. Thanks us. Thanks for sticking with us. And so then we into low life. Might not sidewalk. I'm, we're going to just go through those. Because it's basically the same thing. Then crew love. Um.
1: Uh, Sidewalk, let's uh, be fair, he talks about um, amongst Belts, belts again. Um, he does talk about it in the lyrics, growing up with no father and how he doesn't hold any grudges, which is quite an interesting uh, approach to being abandoned by your parents. Yeah. I have two loving parents, and I don't know what that's like. Because I'm incredibly lucky. But his father left at a young age, and I don't think they met for again, for many, many years. And he's asked about it repeatedly in interviews, as you do when you're that sort of high profile. Um, And he's said repeatedly that he just doesn't hold a grudge against his father for leaving, and that he just doesn't know him. And he's written this song about that. And that's an interesting perspective to have on a stage in front of 400,000 people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think there's a lot of personal stuff in this. I think that it, I think that it, it, because what I was wondering is if there was a sort of a character element to it, but it does, you know, it does seem that he came from a, a, he obviously came from a difficult background in terms of his family, but also that he said that his upbringing or that his teenage years were like the film Kids Without the Aids. Yeah. So.
1: (laughs) And actually that is like, not to get all like musicals really amazing on everybody but this is like a son of a single immigrant mother uh has 400,000 people worshipping yes. him wearing a denim jacket in front of them and that is what <laughs> music can music do. can do and
0: all you know it can bring those perspectives and also hello to the amazing influence and amazing contribution to the world of people who have who are immigrants and have emigrated to other countries and have you know for whatever reason set up a life in another country yeah. and and thrived and th- flourished in this way and so you know once again um we are shown that immigration is a good thing so uh we're on house of, we're balloons, on house of balloons. balloons so okay so was was this the moment you were talking about where you felt like you
1: oh yeah this is where it changed so this is like yes. a Susie sue and the banshees sample were yes. here um Slightly more rocky. This isn't actually what I was talking about, but it is changing. There's a pivot here. So
0: this is where I felt like maybe there's a waiting for me. And so House of Balloons was um, the weekend's first release. Um, It's it's a mixtape. And um, so that was 10 years ago. And it relied heavily on samples from Susie and the Banshees, the Cocteau Twins, um, and loads of 80s stuff he's got like tears for fears a a uk uh, band from the 80s
1: who i love
0: yes absolutely yeah
1: those are new romantic he's very
0: so he was very interested and influenced by uh post-punk and um sort of early 80s electro um and i think that is really speaks about this is where i find it this is where i sort of get to started to get interested and sort of wish that I'd been in at the beginning because I think that's when I would have found it really interesting. But I think that the fact that he is um, using all these different influences and presenting them in a different way and using them to build a world of sound, I think, uh, you know, is real credit to him as somebody who um, kind of is a curator of music but also does write great pop tunes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, people are still loving it. We we had a little cut to a girl crying yeah. in the audience yeah. um, at House of Balloons. Well, Is she moved? Is it too loud? Has <laughs> she had too much MDMA?
0: Probably all of them. Never know. Uh, all three. All of the above. But I was going to ask you about this, this sort of question because you know there, there's an interesting thing here around you know Susie and the Banshees, for example. I think yeah. uh, are a queer text. To, to a point. And I think Cocteau, the Cocteau twins are as well. I think that yeah, there definitely. is, you know, they are kind of queer techs. And so that is fantastic Fantastic in terms of the fact that they're sort of present and they're having this kind of resurgence through his music to an extent. But um, this is where I sort of felt like there was a way in. But but equally, I also think that Susie and the Banshees in particular are were real innovators. Um, in terms of what they created and the sound they created and the sort of movement they mm-hmm. created as well. And I, I wonder what your thoughts were on this this idea of kind of sampling, sampling uh, um, people who were kind of originals and then sort of being being then hailed as an original for using their music. What do you think?
1: I mean, I'm looking at your face now, uh, which <laughs> nobody can see apart from me.
0: Luckily. <laughs> the way, end. What a
1: skincare have you been oh, using. Oh, we could talk about
0: skincare. Uh, and, I can <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and I can see that you're, you're asking that with a particular opinion, which, it, which you might be a negative one. Um, but I love it. Uh, I think being a, an appreciator of music and letting that influence you and the music you create... Uh, and having that echo and carry on like through the generations is something to, uh, I really, really appreciate. Yeah. Like, uh, like for example, like Beyonce, using the shy lights, mm-hmm. uh, in like crazy and love and stuff like that. And it has it links, uh, something I got from my dad, like Philadelphia soul and something that I was experiencing at the time, which would be Beyonce and finding out that those two things were connected. Yeah. Uh, uh, like links generationally and artistically. And I, I think it is uh, a creative and artistic impulse to to use other people's yeah. and be influenced and use other people's work yeah. like that. What do you think? I don't
0: actually disagree. I, I was sort of being devil's avocado <laughs> a little bit. I I think that, you know, there was an interesting article in um, Rolling Stone about the weekend that, that said that he essentially with, particularly with these tracks... Uh, created the kind of genreless world in which we now live that genre is sort of very much something
1: but that, he didn't he create absolutely that. I mean... didn't
0: create it but you know he sort of popularized it. <laughs> Um,
1: But I mean, like, we we were talking about Janet Jackson just recently using Joni Mitchell's samples in the mid to early 90s. Absolutely.
0: And he was not, by any means, the only person doing this sort of thing. But he equally is probably the most well-known and has brought it to the biggest audience and stage. Um, There were lots, you know, I think there were lots of examples of all of the things that he's sort of done, the steps that he's taken, lots of other people doing the same things. Um, But... I, I do think that there is something in the world in which we live, which is very much about um repurposing and representing things that have already existed i, I think that yeah I'm down with it, I'm absolutely down with it, and you know but yeah. but equally, you know there was an element to me that was like, I just now want to go and listen to some Susie and the banshees
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I suppose it's like talking about co- it's collage yeah that, um. <laughs> And the, like, for example, like the Surrealists who sort of innovated the use of collage. Yeah,
0: it is It is essentially postmodern collage is what we're looking at. And, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the extreme example, you know, now that we have is things like TikTok, which is essentially just people copying each other over and over and over again a thousand times and then responding to someone copying them. That's basically what that is. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that's the sort of extreme. But 10 years ago uh that all that's that didn't exist so much and uh, you know the the fact that he kind of created this world of sound through these people was interesting the other thing about that rolling stone um article which comes now within the context of things like black lives matter movement is what the article was saying was that essentially um you know white music has kind of stolen from black music or that black people were generally the innovators of um of, of kind of rock and pop and all of these things and yeah. um that what the weekend was doing essentially was kind of um reclaiming from these kind of bands i don't know if i fully agree with that because I, I i i'm not in any way disputing that um that black people have been absolutely you know black musicians have been innovators in terms of um, Lots of genres of music, but I wonder if that's what he was doing at the time. I wonder if he just really liked those those bands and likes that music yeah. and wasn't necessarily. Thi- but it's interesting that now, through the frame of the cultural moment now, that that's sort of what's being positioned by this one particular journalist from Rolling Stone. Um, yeah, so so I think that was interesting to think about as well about that relationship between, um. The weekend as a black artist, and the fact that he he was sort of using a lot of these post-punk influences from the UK that um, were not necessarily, you know, black uh, from from people of black backgrounds.
1: Yeah, I mean, it basically comes down to the the very essential, uh, almost boring question: is like if an artist doesn't attend intend a thing, but it still has that. effect on someone else does it does it did it mean that in the first place yeah you, exactly you
0: know I mean? exactly it's, it's 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 interesting that uh, you know 10 years on the i suppose the the work takes on a different significance because of what's happened culturally in the last year or last two, yeah. two years
1: but is it that he just loves to get high and listen to <laughs> to dream
0: to dream and pop. Music, exactly yeah. and was just like well this would be great to kind of create a sound world from yeah. the music that i want to make you mm-hmm. know Anyway, yeah, interesting. I'd like to. I, I hope one day he will speak on that because I'm interested to know what his thoughts are. But,
1: but yeah, it's, but like as we were talking before the podcast, it's really hard to get hold of any. Yeah, it's really hard. Of his mystique is amazing. Mystique, yes. Which
0: is which is the Kate Moss school of not talking to break oh, the bubble.
1: Yes, not eating. Don't <laughs> eat. Don't talk.
0: Oh, I love Kate Moss. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so fond of her. <laughs> any. <laughs> I
1: don't. And we'll talk about that another time. we
0: we'll put a bit in that. Um, <laughs> so, we are now into Can't Feel My Face. Great pop song. Amazing pop song. And a brilliant song. To, it's, it comes in midway. Oh. Brilliant song to put my way. I think this is where we can start to see the kind of the craft of how this has been put together.
1: I know this song. This is the song I know. And apparently everyone else in the crowd yeah, does it's as great. well. It's so, yeah. Great pop song. I... Also, very much know what it means to not feel my face. So <laughs> well,
0: it's been very I'm cold here. Really... And, you know, in, in, in minus nine, you absolutely can't feel your face.
1: <laughs> I mean, not to bang on about drugs, but he does bang on about drugs. And the influence of his drug taking and his life um, taking drugs and being amongst people that take drugs is a huge uh, part of his mm. lyrics. And I'm guessing the sound and effect he's trying to create... Mm-hmm the general narrative when you read about him is that he has created this dark, um, and not American necessarily, but he this sort of dark, semi-dystopian world of hip-hop, which is possibly kind of innovative mm-hmm. or at least kind of different. And up until this point, I wasn't getting mm-hmm. it. But from the next song, Blackout, mm-hmm. onwards, which is kind of, for me, was giving me George mm-hmm. Michael vibes, um, onto where his... Um, the next stuff he does is all from his like debut mixtape from 2011, and that is when I was messaging you, and it 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 feels just like the nihilism of of the of the like the emptiness mm. of uh, I guess first world existence, like the ability we have to feel emptiness in the way when we're not just surviving, mm-hmm. we're living, and we have the luxury of thinking about what it is to be alive Mm -hmm. and to exist. And like the the essential nothingness of everything that you then fill with partying and you go out and you're a certain kind of person, you you like take drugs or whatever, you go to a party, you get drunk uh, and you feel temporarily okay. And then the darkness floods back in the next day. And what that feels like overwhelmed me at this point in the gig. And and I just was like, he sees Uh me, I see him. Okay, yeah. This is you are you are conjuring up uh the essential like the the nothingness we are seeking to yes. fill yes um through partying and how you can look at someone with just blank eyes at party when you've taken a bunch of drugs that are supposed to make you feel happy and see nothing mm-hmm. and the echoes of that and what that means and how to throw it back mm. uh, in, in in front of 400,000 people, I, I suddenly
0: was hit with yeah. it at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And also in terms of the structure of the show, things shift a bit in that up till now, it's been a continuous track all the way through. It hasn't stopped. And now we break for the first time. And so from here, which is about the midway point, we, each song is presented separately, so they're not all bled into one.
1: Yeah. And, you know, maybe because he's seeing me, I'm uh-huh. seeing him, Nick, I'm, and I'm yes. now in love. I was almost... I've gone from completely unemotional to almost... Wow. Injuries. And I, I, felt this, I felt this period be incredibly epic. And I might have been responding to pure tone rather than the content yes. of the lyrics. Um, but uh, I, I was... I was yeah,
0: I think this <laughs> is, you know, in this last kind of... If, we, if, the, if this is a show of kind of four acts, which I think it sort of is... Uh, or I think in this in this sort of third quarter, um it goes a lot more slow and personal and dark, and we're sort of mm-hmm. we're, we're led into this work having been hyped and uh, and hyped and dancing, and uh, I think we are now kind of into this much more dark, thoughtful world, which is clearly from his his earlier work.
1: Yeah, because we've got this uh, track called Wiki Games" that goes into something called mm-hmm. "Earned It," which has, also has an almost like soul, you hear other instruments, like the, oh, <laughs> yeah, because there's like some yeah. flutes and yeah. some strings, loved it, yeah. give it to me, give it to me weekend. Uh, but then he went straight back into it mm-hmm. now, where he's making Yeah, this is away. where I've got
0: my note, it's gone a bit misogyny 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. He'd like you to pop your pussy like he likes mm-hmm. it, whatever in whatever way that is, uh, which was often, which is another massive, massive hit for him. Uh, again, sampling a, a song by a Turkish artist, which hasn't been done since Holly Valance.
0: <laughs> kiss Kiss? <laughs> yes.
1: I mean, it has, has almost certainly been done since Holly Valance, but has, I haven't... <laughs> last time I remembered a big
0: wow t- Turkish
1: pop crossover. It was Holly Valance's I kiss, wonder what kiss. she's
0: having for breakfast.
1: I wonder what yeah. she's doing. Now. She married... Holly Valance married Nick Candy... Who owns One Hyde Park? Like the big, ex- the one of the most expensive buildings in the world—not the world, probably because Dubai exists—but in London, there's a big, uh, sort of sexy flat block. <laughs> Not in the way I say it. Sexy apartment <laughs> block.
0: Sexy flat block.
1: There's the a big sexy flat block next to Hyde Park called One Hyde Park, owned by a man. Not. Yes. Do I know how this? do you know this? Owned by a man. <laughs> I, I read the gossip pages of the <laughs> Evening Standard from 2012.
0: Over and over.
1: <laughs> I've archived them.
0: Well, basically, Holly Valance is doing fine. Yeah, she's, she's fine. all good. She's um, so we've got um, Call Out My Name, which is a ballad with no percussion for the first time. So there's no percussion in this moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's romance. It's romance. And
0: we've got Honey Tones in the Lighting.
1: I'm enjoying the lighting here. Yeah. There's some, somebody like lovely or red orange beams on yes. angle. Everybody knows, everybody knows the lighting. Yeah, this is a list. popular one. Mm-hmm. And it's coming up it's to coming the finale.
0: It's coming up to the finale. Because um, after Call Out My Name, we have um, a, a moment of just silence and audience screaming, and the, the, the weekend just mm-hmm. holding this mo- space this and allowing people to scream. Um, and then a bit of call and response. You would. And then we're into the hills.
1: Yes, this is the second single from his uh, second album, and it was number one in the bajillion countries. Apparently, he recorded 67 versions of this. Wow. Before he settled on this particular one. Uh, which, and this song closes in Amharic, uh, which is his mother mm. uh, mm. tongue. Um, and you get a, sort of the vibrato he's using, which is closer to the Ethiopian.
0: Yeah, it's t- really, I really like that. this track I really liked. I yeah. really like
1: this. Yeah, and this is, this is about fame. lyrically, so there's fewer bitches and yeah. codeine. You know, God, we sound like such a granddad. There's fewer bitches and codeine in this one. It? There's some, there's some much,
0: Ovaltine references. Much cleaner. And I, so I'm happy. <laughs> and
1: actually, we're, the next the next podcast we're going to do is about Abba and the amount of love they get from being clean. clean
0: yeah. And neat. Yeah, it's great.
1: <laughs> He's very very much like Abba. This song is much yes. cleaner, cleaner.
0: It's. I think it's a really. I think it's a great finish um and yeah it's it, you know it's interesting having we've gone into this perhaps more introspective more complex um m- aspect of the the show and then we end on the hills which uh, you know i think it's a really great place to finish
1: he uh there were two very two written mixes of this track out one he did with eminem and one with nick oh, minaj and his the video which I watched um, has been viewed 1.6 wow. billion times.
0: Wow!
1: About 0.6 billion by me.
0: <laughs>
1: Watching crawl out of an upside down car. <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean? Weekend. <laughs> Abel, are you seeing anyone? He's,
0: of course, he's seeing someone. Yeah, yes. So he's
1: too young for me. He was born. He was born in 1990. Oh dear. <laughs> part of
0: my breakdown. Okay, okay. <laughs> um we're probably having a similar breakdown, I think that's my <laughs> constant breakdown. Um
1: all oh, right, good. so
0: we are done. We're out. Weekend is like, thank you, Berlin etc. etc. Et I love you, etc. Typical festival moment of the yeah. contract has ended as it began. Um <laughs> what are your overall thoughts?
1: Um my overall thoughts are: uh, life is, uh, means nothing.
0: Oh. Okay, <laughs> we're going philosophical.
1: When we die, when we die, eventually nobody will care, and there's nothing I we can th- do to oh,
0: help
1: that. Uh, I, <laughs> oh, sorry, no, I you meant you about, about the weekends. The um, I, no, I really, I, pr- I really appreciated watching this. Uh, I didn't enjoy most of it. I didn't connect with most of it, but when I did, it meant a lot. Um, and I then have been listening to some of his music afterwards, and um, I really appreciated uh, the, the choice. Actually, this was your suggestion. So well, thank
0: you. I, well, so, you. I well, so I I I agree with you. Like I'm, I don't. I think this would have worn thin for me even live, but I think I would have enjoyed being there for the experience. I do think that he's an incredible frontman, but it doesn't really go anywhere so it's so although there are shifts and and particularly in the the sort of second half, it does go in different directions musically, the performance stays pretty much the same constantly throughout the whole thing and and but it, i mean he holds it he absolutely holds the space and as someone who is yeah. literally just walking up and down singing in a, in a denim jacket, you know, he obviously has the charisma and can command the, the audience in a way that enables him to hold that. And that is an incredible skill. I also think that probably earlier on, I would have been more into the music, although I think that there are, he's a, you know, he's gone on to write incredible pop tunes. Um, but i yeah i don't i there's not there's nothing there's not a lot in it that speaks to me directly, but that's okay, yeah. because they don't, he doesn't need me to be spoken to directly um <laughs> you know it's, it's just a personal thing but but I think there is also you know, I also love the Coto twins and Susan and the banshees and um those kind of musical influences particularly from his earlier work, so when that became more evident in it in the kind of sound world that was being created, then I was excited by it.
1: And so lovely to see a live festival gig, if you want to just get a little bit of experience of looking at that from, from the past.
0: And it's one of those things where you're like, this is an incredible thing to see. Um, Oh, so I wanted to ask what your what the we we said we put a pin on in your festival story. Oh, so God. what was your other festival oh, well, story? Two
1: festivals, very quickly. One as okay. it was yeah. was another latitude one related to your uh, tech issues you had at latitude. We had to tech our show Dollywood, which was about our love of Dolly Parton. <gasps> we should do a Dolly Parton gig one day. Anyway, definitely, um, we did our show Dollywood, but they asked us to tech silently behind a curtain because disco yoga was happening on the floor in front of the <laughs> stage. So I'm, I don't know if anyone's ever done, had like lights angled at them or had to do like test sound, which included a loop pedal, live mandolin, live banjo, <laughs> live guitar and harmonica silently from behind a curtain while disco yoga was happening. So that happened once. And my other story is that we were invited to play a, um, a sober Christian rock festival festival. Um, which was one of the biggest gigs we've ever played. It was like I think mm. like s- between six and eight hundred Christians in this room. Wow! <laughs> and um, we did a show that references uh, lesbian sex amongst other things, and we really didn't know how that was going to go down. I mean, it was also about the housing crisis, and I suppose there's like a social justice element that would be a, a mm. more akin to the Christian vibe. Uh, yeah. We didn't know how it was going to go down, but it went. They were very, very nice. And but they laugh at different jokes. Just going to say that. Okay. <laughs> the, the rhythm was off. <laughs> Sorry. I just remember the other bit of the festival. Okay. Let, let me just say. So we just come straight from Edinburgh, uh, where we were doing a different show, and we'd uh, gone down to do this Christian Rock Festival with a different show that, like, the day after Edinburgh Festival finishes, and it's a month of shows every day. So we're quite tired. And they put us up in. The Christian Rock Festival had put us up in this really like nice spa mm. hotel, which we arrived at, having gone on two trains and in the van, and we had a bag of takeaway curry half-eaten with us, um, left over from the night before. We were like, well, we're not going to leave our curry behind. we'll take it with us. <laughs> and we um, we went to this spa hotel, and we were like, we've got time for a swim before the gig. And they were like, we can't find your name on the list. Sorry, you're not staying here. And we said, we've got the email from... The festival. We're definitely staying here. Shit theatre. We're called <laughs> shit theatre, and just having to say that over and over again in a posh spa hotel is embarrassing enough. But we're like, we were so confident. We kept calling the festival organisers that they were busy because the festival had started. So we insisted. We stored our takeaway curry in their kind of utilities cupboard. Well, we got changed and went, we are, we are staying here, so we're going to store our curry in your cupboard and we're going to go and get changed and go for a swim and you can let us know when you've figured out your mistake. Um, and it was only uh, as we were getting changed into our swimming costumes when the festival organisers called back and said, oh, no, sorry, you're at the travel lodge down the road. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. And we had, to collect, we had to put our clothes back on and collect our curry and leave. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's awkward. And then quite. go and play
1: to 600 Christians, who were very nice. Oh.
0: <laughs> did, uh, did they hand over the curry resentfully? No,
1: they were very like, polite. here's your curry. They were, they were a very nice five-star spa hotel, so they were incredibly, incredibly
0: polite. <laughs> 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 I love the fact that you were like... <laughs> in- in your leotards where really you're like <laughs> where's Mac- give me my curry. I'm leaving
1: it's uh, been a joy to talk to you and to have everybody with us yet again
0: yeah thank you so much for listening and thanks so much for um, everyone's responses to the podcast so far please do if you have enjoyed the podcast today leave us a five star review or tell a friend leave us a five star yeah, tell a friend um, because we'd love more people to hear it, so um, that would be fantastic and very much appreciated. And
1: you can follow us on Instagram at Up Podcast, and we're on Facebook, yes. Up Podcast. And we've got next uh, time we have very excitingly, uh, we are doing Abba. we doing Abba. We're slightly different. We're doing Abba the movie, which is a drama <laughs> from 1977, and I have a lot of things to say.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. I, I cannot wait. All right. Thank you so much. Bye.